are listening to Loud on the Set with Kyle and James. A level-headed movie critic meets a loudmouth movie cynic. And action! All right, welcome back to the show. My name is Kyle. This is James. And today, James, what are we doing? Okja Part 2 and Related Topics. <laughs> what a title. That'll, that'll be grabbed on YouTube and elsewhere. Uh, yes, we're back for more with Okja and some uh, some environmental activist-type films and documentaries. And joining us is Aaron. Thank you Woo-hoo! for being back, Aaron. Thank you so much for having me back. It's been a while. Woot woot. A long time. Yeah. All right, so we've all the changed much since then. Yeah, we're... We, okay, yeah. we're at... We have a few more Aaron, what I call Aaron's social commentary topics to get to. And it might trigger us to talk about other movies. Wow. Yes, other movies. All right, so here's here's one for your uh, your consideration, Aaron and Kyle. And that is, I made a note of, while I was watching Okja, of the the totally not giving a shit kid driver mm-hmm. from the corporation. Mm-hmm. Uh, sort of disconnected, disenchanted, totally reminded me of like any job I've had being a, a minimum wage uh, essentially wage slave to some fucking company I didn't give a shit about, you know? Um, talk to us about that kid driver, Aaron. What do you remember about him? I remember that he was basically driving the van that was transporting Oak Jaw that was essentially going to go to New York for the pageant or to the slaughterhouse or somewhere bad. It wasn't mm-hmm. good where, <laughs> wherever the truck was, this was in This was in South Korea and it was to, it was to take Oak Jaw to the airport to ship it to the United States for all of that. Those reasons, yeah. That's right. And then the ALF, the Animal Liberation Front, uh, basically were trying to overpower the van and take Okja back, and this whole chase scene ensues. But essentially what happens is the driver is just like, I do whatever you want. Take Okja. I don't care. I'll stop the car. <laughs> they they basically just had no allegiance to uh, the Mirando Corporation, so... Yeah, that that was really interesting as well. Now, Kyle, why wouldn't this young kid driving a truck have any allegiance to Miranda? Why would he have any allegiance to them? No reason. Exactly. Right. <laughs> There's no reason to. I'm willing why to bet not? he's not part of some sort of profit sharing. Right. It's probably not a worker-owned co-op. Well, yeah. Mm-hmm. You know, he does. If if the pig gets sold, if the pig gets rescued, he probably makes five bucks an hour, no matter what. Right. Regardless. So, right. What's in it for him? What's the incentive? Yeah, so zooming out and looking at that against the backdrop of the rest of the movie and thinking about uh, environmental activists, activism and everything, um, where are where are people's hearts that want to do this type of work? Where are people's hearts that are on the other side of the work Ooh, that's, that's being deep. done? And it's pretty clear to see in this case that the folks that have this really passionate connection to nature and to animals and to other things um, are are there for that reason in particular, not for making money and not for these other purposes. And the opposition force is is not there because they don't believe those things necessarily if those activists are there, but it, the money always wins out in the end. So why would anybody caught in the middle care one way or the other when beliefs are basically regardless at that point? I have a question to ask you. So we were talking about the ALF, the Animal Liberation Front, and like, do you think that extremism is necessary? Huh. Unbottled. Here it goes. <laughs> <laughs> the podcast takes new terms. It depends on the, it depends on what's the cause. I think, right? Yes. If your cause is 
Oh boy, what a question! Mm-hmm. All right, sorry, um, I should have prepared. I would us use a great spoiler from us as an example oh. to highlight my point here, but I won't because I think that everybody should go out and see that movie first. <laughs> but I think that in oh, because all, right, all right, I think that in some cases, and we've seen this worldwide all throughout history, the idea of the revolution and the uprising, and people that have been kept down for centuries with no hope of standing up without there being some sort of let's say law breaking procedure that Mm -hmm. occurs the laws are in place to to handcuff people and not let them gain any sort of footing in society so at some point maybe you wouldn't call it extremism but activism that crosses a line whether it's a legal line or somebody's personal line will probably take place in order to push through major change. Yeah, to make that radical major change, it's necessary to have some kind of extreme measures because otherwise if if people aren't making their voices heard or if they're not making a presence or let it be known that they are against some type of policy or person or corporation, whatever it is, then things are just going to continue to go in, in that same trajectory. So now that the FBI is subscribed to (laughs) Loud on the Set, I'll share that obviously uh, bringing harm to people is not the way to go about that in my viewpoint. And I think there's a lot of strategies that you could use to accomplish those tasks while still disrupting society and, uh, and maybe the livelihood of some of those folks that are involved that can take that sort of economic hit we've talked about since pretty much day one on the podcast a stupid example of this is giving your money to hollywood when you go out and see a movie do you support the infrastructure of hollywood (laughs) fuck no we talk about that all the time but where the fucking movies are coming from so what are we supposed to do well we're voting with our dollars so let's make good choices more than we make dumb choices Mm -hmm. to contribute to things and hope that we can affect change that way. Well, Aaron, I, I appreciate the, the question because it's it's thought stimulating, but at the same time, it's 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 too vague, right? Mm-hmm. I think that the conversation is best had uh, talking about almost case-by-case examples, right? Uh, because there's civil disobedience, which is nonviolent and non-destructive because I like, I do make the distinction between um, violence and destruction. I, I, I sort of hey, I take a page out of certain organizations' playbooks, if you will, uh, maybe not out of the playbooks, out of their thoughts, in that I don't think destruction of property is violence. Like, I don't. Like, a brick through a Starbucks window is not the same as a brick to somebody's head. Like, mm-hmm. But the law is kind of skewing and treating people, boy, are we going to be on somebody's list now? Fuck. <laughs> <laughs> no, but I mean, like, so it's case-by-case case example. Like, um, what the ALF was doing in this case... I don't know, I'd have to break it down almost action by action. You know, like mm-hmm. it, stopping a truck in the middle of traffic. No, I'm, I'm not, I don't think that's extreme. Mm-hmm. You know, uh, I don't think they harmed anybody. in the, Putting a spike strip in the middle of the road so the truck would skid off and potentially and flip and maybe yeah, the driver kill dies. A bunch of people. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. So it, like, it's, it's, I think the conversation is, is, better had and you can get deeper into somebody's thought process and their their hierarchy of thinking and how they prioritize things if you really ask on a case by case basis I, I really do like so is that a cop out no you know like it, it, I, I find it an incredibly rich conversation that that needs to be given the proper time and uh, 
perhaps the proper voice cloning technology so that we can... <laughs> <laughs> and this is a perfect example of the somebody using what they love in their livelihood entertaining filmmaking to bring activism through in their own way as well right. and this effect this brought change directly into my life so i'm going to make the assumption mm -hmm. that i'm not the only person that could be converted by oak jaw into <laughs> you know understanding meaning in this world so that's great success that was had through this this sort of means right here and hopefully promotes mm -hmm. more of that as well so what are some other examples of activism through film or through your lives that you feel like relates to some well, of the things we've talked about you were kind of mentioning like there's this difference between destruction and like violence and everything but mm -hmm. I also think there's an element of being like a responsible activist as mm -hmm. well like so I have kind of a problem with Greenpeace because they tend to use crisis framing or like doom and gloom like all of the ice caps are melting and all the polar bears are gonna die and it's all your fault and if you don't do anything <laughs> then we're all gonna die and like you just feel hopeless when you hear messages like that and to me that's irresponsible and so I just think there's this point in Oakjaw, which I find hilarious, where, um, do you guys remember the part where they're like, translations are sacred? Oh, yeah. Uh -huh. <laughs> like that was really so interesting. <laughs> yeah, so there's like, I don't know, this idea of being an extremist or an activist, but then having the responsibility of making sure that, um, you know, you're doing your due diligence as well, which I really appreciated. <laughs> Thank you so much for bringing that up. If I would have forgotten that, I would have been disappointed, but that I remember that so vividly now that you said that about the translations because it was essentially saying that language and the way that we communicate about these things and that we communicate with each other especially globally is so important and for that one individual to mistranslate was exactly what the CEOs were doing misrepresenting what they were bringing to the world mm -hmm. and it's it's equally as uh as damning i i am going to push back a little bit I mean, well <laughs> no because you say uh for example you have a problem with greenpeace right mm -hmm. and their doom and gloom messaging and all that stuff uh but i think that one's sort of proximity to a crisis will often play a huge role in defining the urgency and the tone of their message. And so, for example, yeah, like... That's good. We recently... Um, hey, let's let's put our scientist hat on for a second. The IPCC <laughs> released a report recently, right? Mm -hmm. Estimating that we have approximately 12 years to stabilize greenhouse gas emissions and begin drawing them down. Otherwise, we could reach, like, hothouse, earth, no turning back right. sort of points, right? Um... So I've sort of developed a little talking point around that in my conversations with people. And that is, you know, while I can appreciate the importance of framing the message and not offending people and being careful of how strong your language is, you don't want to be like Greenpeace or Sea Shepherd and all that stuff. At the same time, if we continue doing things exactly the way we're doing them now with the carefully framed messages, we won't make that turn. We won't make it. And I, I sort of say this as a joke, but I say it to people and it kind of shocks them into like, oh boy, like, have you yet to get a good response to this one? I go... If 12 years from now, if we see runaway hothouse earth effects, are we all going to look at each other and go, I don't get it. I was doing seafood watch. Mm. <laughs> you know, which as far as I'm concerned, no offense to, you know, the people that own that because oh boy, are they protective of that. Um, such a half measure. Well, you know, okay. it's like we're all vegetarian. So I feel like I feel like I'm in comfortable company to criticize the shit out of that. Like. Oh my God, aquaculture and whatnot that they recommend. The same type of thinking that got us here is not going to get us out of it. 
You know, so every once in a while we need a green piece or somebody to, to do something really bold and just shake us out of this stupor. Like, we're not going to make it. We're not going to make it. It okay. doesn't help having a president that doesn't believe in those type of things. And yes. there's actually a connection in the movie. So the Miranda Corps is basically fronting and saying, oh, we're going to grow these super pigs and we're going to feed the world with it. And I actually find that there's a parallel to Monsanto mm -hmm. because they're saying that the use of genetically modified crops will help plants become pest resistant, frost resistant, and all of these things that can help feed the world. Well, there's no statistics that show that they've actually been able to like provide more food for the world and the problem is is there's enough food in the world to feed the world it's the policies and the governments and or the the local policies and governments and globalization and the trade the food trade you know around the world that's preventing the food from actually reaching a lot of these low socioeconomic uh, communities. So I think, unfortunately, it has to start from the top down. And that's really sad. <laughs> it is really sad. I, it's again, very sad. I, I agree with most of what you're saying, except for that final part where it says it has to start at the top down. I, I think it depends on the, 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 the problem we're describing. Like, Yes, global food distribution and the allocation of resources to make that food available to people. Yeah, I'm not going to solve that problem in my living room. The three of us aren't. Like, that takes nation states to solve, right? But I give presentations about food choices all the time and uh, rather convincingly as well. And I say one of, the, one of the reasons why I like to talk about... If I do if say I do so, so myself. <laughs> not always dumb and I don't curse all the time. But what I say to people is what's beautiful about two of the most powerful potential solutions to greenhouse gases, reducing food waste and switching to a plant-based diet. The beauty of them is the proximity of them in that you don't need massive levels of government interaction. You don't need uh, petitions and more. All you gotta do, and I quote myself on this one, is step away from the hot dog. Mm -hmm. <laughs> you know, like the solution is right is, is on your dinner plate you know like yeah and so individual action in, in the case of food choice can become massive collective action so i think it depends on like mm -hmm. what, what are we talking you know it's all like if we're talking about shutting down coal plants yeah we need that to be top down you know right like we're not really in charge of, of energy energy infrastructure and stuff but we are more or less like kyle mentioned in part one we are in charge of like the food choices we're in that position right when we can when we, we can have a a lot of ability at this point to make uh, good decisions. And for me, I kind of feel like I'm coming out of a sunken place or something when I look at the, uh, when I look at my past history a little bit. But for one of the, one of the things that I look at right now is if I see an animal and I think, would I kill that thing and eat it right now? And is anything that I've enjoyed in the past worth that experience if I put myself through it? And the answer is just no. I and maybe for others that is not the case but I think if people if we had enough safety to stop and breathe for a moment and consider some of those things like simple philosophical questions that people could have a moment to take the time to address in their lives uh, then there would be so much amazing change that could happen and unfortunately I don't feel like uh, many people have that opportunity and those that do that are not doing it for shame and that is what we're here to do today is to talk yeah. about that because I feel a little bit of shame for my you know kind of head in the sand uh, just perspective on some of those things but 
Of course, that's not the case everywhere, but when we have those options, um, there are enough at this point that we need to start doing shit about it for real. For real. 12 years, start your uh, your timer. And then when we get to five years, I'll play David Bowie nonstop. Five. <laughs> Ziggy Stardust, five years. That's I all we do got. do not get that joke. It's all right. All right, I have uh, an interesting uh, question or comment for you too, and that is we, we were talking about um, activism a little bit here and we're talking about a uh, using the medium of movies and potentially having a change like we had talked about it changed Oakja changed Kyle's life boom it did mm-hmm. unquestioned right and I had mentioned a silly CGI super pig I think the CGI was pretty decent actually it was, yeah. good. Yeah. It was good yeah, yeah. Anyway, changed my life and I had written down I hope that this movie inspires millions of people to become vegetarian and it got me thinking about two movies Ooh. that had that was the couch. Yeah, <laughs> sure. I can probably replicate the sound. That's anyway. recorded. Oh my god! <laughs> Shit, I'm trying to be serious here. All right, um, two movies. We don't know what the 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 long term effect of Okja may or may not be. We don't know that yet, right? Nobody's got the numbers. Uh, but here are two movies. No one has the data. Here are two movies that have two, as far as I'm concerned, as far as I'm concerned, completely different. Uh, case studies or outcomes and that is Super Size Me which we've mentioned before Kyle mm-hmm. and it's mm-hmm. a fucking non-impact that it had right non-impact god damn it meaningless McDonald's doing better than ever yeah right. the Olympics right. brought to you by McDonald's right. yeah there's another there's another <laughs> fucking disaster right the Olympics but anyway uh, versus Blackfish mm-hmm. now why am I bringing this up because we don't know what Okja is going to do come on Okja mm-hmm. right give come us some more vegetarians Okja. we're always recruiting but we know Super Size Me had its moment in the sun and then like long-term nothing, right? Like, yeah. fuck, right? And it's not, it's not that I'm blaming the movie, but it just, it didn't do, I don't think what it may have been intended to do. Right. But then you get a movie like Blackfish. Whoa, yeah. boy, did it work. Mm-hmm. No? Somebody take it away. I, I've talked a lot. Yeah, basically, I mean, the the thing that's happened with like SeaWorld and everything is that their their attendance has like statistically gone down and their shares have gone down because of what people see as inhumane treatment or small tanks for you know orcas that otherwise have this insanely huge range of you know where they would naturally their natural habitat mm-hmm. and so um, the repercussions of something like that are huge for a company or like an organization like SeaWorld. Totally. And immediately an incredible financial impact, which always, as you mentioned, James, is the first thing that somebody's going to notice that Mm -hmm. runs a corporation as opposed to a uh, morality club. (laughs) Oh, SeaWorld was in denial for so long about the the reasons for their decisions. Like, we're not going to have the shows anymore. Oh, is that because of the boycotts and the massive protests outside of your gates and your plummeting stock prices? No! Bullshit, you fucking liars. You know? (laughs) Um, so anyway, I, I just thought that that's interesting because, uh, yeah, I, I I saw Blackfish many times. I saw it in mm-hmm. New York City, and one of the trainers that essentially was a whistleblower was there doing a Q and A. That's the fucking power and all that stuff. And it delighted me to see, you know, Blackfish. Uh, excuse me, SeaWorld at one point. I don't know if this is still true, but at one point was uh, was owned by the Blackstone Group, the Blackstone Group, mm. which is a fucking venture capitalist firm, and one of the main partners of it is Mitt Romney. Interesting. So your your love of fucking marine mammals and killer whales is making Mitt Romney, you know, you get the idea. Oh my god, mm-hmm. it's so sickening to think of. I gotta change the subject. 
Well, so another thing that you were talking about. <laughs> well, so on that yeah, same yeah. subject. <laughs> well, Thanks, Eric. So, uh, we were talking a little bit earlier about like green marketing scams. Mm-hmm. And so um, a lot of people, I think I read a statistic that about 6% of Americans are vegetarian, which also makes a huge impact wow. on meat demand and things like that. And I'm sure that those um, numbers are just continuing to increase as people understand the repercussions of like red meat consumption and things like that. But there are places like McDonald's and Burger King and um, like Taco Bell and these fast food companies that are creating vegetarian items. Mm-hmm. And it's not because they like they idealistically want to like help out the environment or they know that, you know, red meat causes, you know, a lot of uh, problems for climate change. You know, it, it's like they're they're greedy and they're like, oh, we don't want to lose our consumers that are vegetarian otherwise. And so that's an example also of like major corporations that are just trying to not lose a customer base and be greedy, but not like actually doing any like environmental change. They're not like preventing deforestation or anything mm-hmm. like that, you know, or changing their practices. So that is an excellent point. Yeah. Uh, it's, it's, what is the motivation? It's always the bottom line. It's like they see a market share. Oh, look, right. there's a 6% market share out there. We better have a fucking green option on our menu. And, you know, some people come up to me sometimes like, James, did you see? I forget if it's Hardee's or Carl's Jr. Whatever, I like the same. Yeah. yeah. Did you see uh, Hardee's is going to have the Beyond Meat Burger? They're going to have the Impossible Burger. Isn't that good? I go, yeah, I kind of shrug my shoulders. Fine, I'll still never fucking eat there. Like, yeah. right? You know what I mean? Like, like right. who the fuck's going to Hardee's? That's uh, hoping that there's going right. to be a vegetarian option. There. Sure, that'll well, make who a. Who eats a salad at McDonald's? You know, like Dude, who eats a McDonald's? The saddest salads <laughs> of all time. Yeah. Oh my. Anyway, God. can we change the subject? Or you yeah, want to stay yeah, on this no, one? Because no, I want. No, I'm. I, I'm really like getting mad and whatnot. But anyway. <laughs> I wanted to bring up you? another movie, yeah, because we're, we're trying to talk, we're trying to see how Okja, you know, may inspire conversations about different movies, and I want to lighten it up a little bit here because I thought to myself, as we were taking the break a little while ago, like, holy shit, Okja is very similar to E.T. How about that? And I had written down here, uh, they both kind of have elements of the innocence of childhood and uncorrupted morality. Mm-hmm. You know, like, I like that. at the end of E.T., you got a band full of kids all like fighting the power and you know trying to take. Yeah. E.T. back from those, you know, from the, the government or the CDC. They, those mm-hmm. guys in the totally over-the-top outfits are one that look yeah, like the, fucking astronauts. Yeah, they, they're all, what, they've yeah. all been edited now to uh, carry radios, radios instead, of guns. instead of guns and wear silly hats and whatnot so they're not scary. Yeah. yeah. And so, you know, and then you have uh, Miha, you know, all she wants is like, give me my pig back, you know. Mm-hmm. Right. So I kind of like that. I thought, I thought that was nice. I do too. And it's, it's great that more mainstream... Uh, ideas are getting into movies by way of all the different types of media that we can get now and it's cool that somebody can come up with an idea and be so passionate about it and they could if they were so desiring access a platform like YouTube or something else and share their voice about that and then people will be able to see that the kind of double-edged sword with the idea of social media is that we can hear more things and hear more people's views, but with the capitalization of all those things will probably be edited down over time. But that access is there, and we can access so many amazing things now. And Oakjet's a perfect example of using some of those old themes and ideas and just basically showing a human connection to nature and like what that means for people. Such mm-hmm. a simple idea. And then you can 
pepper in all of the ridiculous stuff that anybody would desire from a movie around it and and have something that's really meaningful and yeah we've seen that throughout history with other types of movies i would almost argue that et was too veiled for somebody for a casual observer to kind of walk away with that sort of message from it Mm -hmm. oakja kind of really had to stick it in your face by the end and be like look you love the pig the pig is gone and you're sad now it's gonna be killed now you're really fucking sad and if you're this girl, you're going after the pig. Why? Because you love it and you want to save it. And, uh, yeah, E.T. puts a lot of fluff around that, but similar yeah. message. Yeah. Fluff and Reese's Pieces. Erin, <laughs> um, uh, another one from your list. We're going we're gonna to change gears for a second. Mm-hmm. You had anti-capitalist views. Mm-hmm. Now, I find this to be fascinating because there absolutely is a pretty strong anti-capitalist, anti-greed message in this movie. And it made me think about how recently, during the State of the Union address by, yeah, by that fucking guy, how he went out of his way to essentially pound the podium and say, we are a capitalist nation. Yeah, it's a thunderous applause. Totally ignoring the fact that like well over 50% of people like 30 and under like, no, I really want to try socialism. Like our country, the young folks of our country definitely want to try a different way of organizing the society, of organizing our economy. They absolutely want to try a different way. And like, so what do you think about that? You know, like, yeah, I think that there's once again, the dichotomy of like city versus nature and like consumerism and greed versus like simple living. And there, there's that balance between like Mija's upbringing and uh, like living in these beautiful mountains. I mean, the scenery is just absolutely gorgeous in South Korea. And then talking about how they raised this pig in nature. And actually one of my favorite parts in the movie is uh, when the terrible character of Jake Gyllenhaal uh, (laughs) comes up to the top of the mountain to check out the pig. He's like, how did you create such a beautiful beast like this? And the farmer's just like, oh, we just let it run in the woods. (laughs) That's right. You know, and and it's just that simplicity of nature, you know, it's just like allowing an animal to be free in its natural habitat and without restraint. And then you have that dichotomy of when you go to the city and everybody's just, you know, shopping and they're just really concerned about, um, you know, selling the next product and how they look and, and, um, yeah, it's just, it's an interesting balance that they display in the movie. And Ocha is absolutely pulverizing a shopping mall like to escape, <laughs> mm-hmm. you know? No coincidence there, right? Yeah. Right, but also the, the fact that Okja is also the product, right? And mm. so Okja is what they're trying to sell. And so although Okja is this animal, it's a part of nature, it's still also something that you can put a dollar sign on. Only they had fed their company had factored in that it would have some sort of, you know, humanity inside of it mm-hmm. being an animal and life that would have connected to it. They would have tried to squash that out and complete their super pig idea. But yeah. hope prevails. <laughs> Speaking of, we're almost out of time. Okay. So I'd love to end on a, a very positive note here. And one of the most important things about this film. Uh, for me is it reinforces that throughout my life some of the most meaningful uh, 
things that I've been able to do have involved animals and nature and going out to those places and seeing them. So I'll share a personal experience from recently. I'd love to hear some of your impactful ones from growing up. Um, seeing fireflies outside mm. and running around and being around those amazing animals. And recently when I've traveled back home to Ohio a few times, there have not been fireflies there. And they've faced a pretty much massive uh, decline in their population due to development of areas and loss of habitat and things. But I remember fireflies and just, you can't imagine how magical it is to just see fields of insects that are flying around you and lighting up. It's just Beautiful. absolutely mm -hmm. amazing. And those types of experiences had me grow up and appreciate the life that's around me and continue to seek out those experiences. Take my honeymoon to Hawaii and go and see mm -hmm. amazing sea turtles and coral reefs and places while they're still here. Well, we've got 12 years left to save Stop us all. Stop it, Kyle. Sorry, I'm trying to inspire action. You know. <laughs> well, how about, not great frame. How about this? I'll, I'll piggy, yes, piggy by, off by throwing that. something over to uh, to Aaron. How about the, the beauty of monarch butterflies? You're from Santa Cruz, are you not? Yes. Mm -hmm. And boy, 95% decline in their population. Eek, you know? Did you see them growing up? I did, yeah. And in fact, I used to go to the eucalyptus groves uh, where they would be in like the hundreds of thousands, like six, 60 to 100,000 of them wow. at natural bridges. Mm -hmm. And, you know, it's interesting because now they're... Um, they're at Lighthouse Point, so they've changed locations and their numbers have declined. They're not in the same um, quantities that you could see them historically. Um, but yeah, I have a lot of fond childhood memories of going tide pooling, seeing monarch butterflies, and just uh, Santa Cruz has a lot of beauty banana slugs. Oh, the banana <laughs> slugs. What's an amazing yeah. animal that you saw tide pooling? Oh, I think the starfish were most fascinating to me. When I was a kid, I was really afraid to touch them. Where's its mouth? Can it bite? What is this thing? Yeah. Oh, and um, yeah, it's it's just uh, really interesting to kind of stick your hand in the water and uh, be brave and explore uh, what's in a tide pool. Especially something that's so weird. And then you're a kid and you see an animal like that and... You just have to, your curiosity draws you to interact with it like all the rest of the life that's around us. Right. Well, I, I appreciate you two sharing those stories and I'll share a story as well to, uh, to wrap up things here on a positive note. Uh, we're talking about animals, developing love for animals, sort of changing moments or, or formative moments in our years. And, and to me, there were two movies that really shaped my love for animals and, and, and uh, bring me to where we're at today. And those two movies are Air Bud and Marley and Me. <laughs> <laughs> there you have it. And if you believe that... <laughs> oh my god. You had Air Bud. You had nature in your, uh, in your life growing up, right? Kind of. It wasn't just a, <laughs> a concrete... <laughs> oh... Woo, I, didn't, I almost didn't make it through it. I don't know if you Woo. saw me laughing. We knew. Um, no, I, I in, a, in a weird way, speaking of animals in captivity yeah. and captivity and blackfish and all that stuff, in a weird way, my my sort of fascination with some of the natural sciences began because I grew up across the street from the New York Aquarium, mm. where from my apartment window, I could look down and see the aquarium and I can hear the sea lions barking and... And, uh, you know, I grew up in Coney Island. I have a beach right there, but our beach in the 80s was, was not that clean and yada yada. So I didn't grow up with a lot of nature, but... Did you ever see a horseshoe crab eat a shoe or something crazy like that? No, but I love showing people <laughs> horseshoe... I love showing people out here horseshoe crabs because a lot of people in California have never seen one. 
And they don't so think they, that they're real, right? Like, what the hell is this? I'm like, yeah. <laughs> Very cool. Yeah. So anyway, there you go. Well, with that, again, we're out of time. Uh, it's great to talk about movies like this and to, to bridge that gap between, like we've mentioned, something that we generally consider nearly meaningless, the idea of making entertainment like this for people, but also that can carry some great weight and value, but more importantly, reinforces and can reinforce uh, great values and themes that we can carry with us through our lives and make the world and our society uh, a better place, especially our environment, and to save it oh. while it is here. Very good. So thank you all for listening. See Oakjaw if you haven't. Watch some of these other films. Uh, not Airbud. Not Airbud. <laughs> not Marley and Me. Oh <laughs> my god. And not Super Size Me. Well, Super Size Me is good. It just didn't have the impact. Oh, here's a couple more recommendations for everybody out there. Uh, if a tree, if a tree falls, it's a documentary. Mm -hmm. uh, the Corporation, another documentary. And what's the one about Lance Armstrong? I can't remember what it's called. Come on. There's another one called Icarus, which is also about doping as well. Uh -huh. About but greedy jerks doing what they want to get ahead in the world. This is where Aaron and I just unload some documentaries. On you. <laughs> <laughs> anyway, go see some. Yeah. Absolutely. Loud on the set with Kyle and James and today, Aaron. Again, Aaron, thank you for being here. Thank you for having me. Thank you all for listening. Send us a mail if you have questions, comments, so want to yell at us. If you're the FBI and you have an inquiry, <laughs> loud on the set at gmail.com. Let us know what you have to say. And thank you all for listening. Go out and see some good movies and have a wonderful time. See you later. And cut.